We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everyone. Welcome to an episode of Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy. But today, we don't really need any therapy because the Mavericks came out and absolutely beat the crap out of the Hornets, 127-59. to um, There's a lot we could talk about, but I really sort of want to focus with the guy I normally kick in the shins. Uh, I thought Kristaps Porzingis really put together uh, probably his best-looking game going back to the bubble. Maybe the performance, that's probably a little bit much. Maybe the game against the Pelicans last year where he and and Luka just lost their minds. Um, I think in terms of movement, that's as good as we've seen in a long time. His feet are active. He's he's doing the little things that he just wasn't doing last year when I used to refer to him as old Mr. Concrete Feet. Uh, I feel really delighted about what we saw overall. Um, again, it's preseason, and the, the, the Hornets were missing three of their starters. So it's, you know, the the, the beating, though, is, you, you know, you don't beat an NBA team by 68 points, you know, just on blind luck. So there's, there's a lot of, of fun from that game that I hope people uh, really enjoyed because, you know, we're just not going to see blowouts like that very, very often. Um, so let's talk about the game as much as uh, you guys really want to, and we will go from there. So I've got a couple people waiting. Uh, just remember when um, I call your name and bring you up on stage, make sure you're not muted. And, you know, let's come up, ask some questions, you know, make some comments. Let's have a good time. Brandon, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing great after that ass-kicking. 
How are you? I know. And it was at the charm, you know, we're talking and it's eight 45 at night. And so it's like, not only do you beat the crap out of a team, you can, you can enjoy the rest of your evening and, or maybe go to bed early. I, I just, I had a really good time watching that game. I was going to ask you, uh, compared to last year, instead of doing these at like one or two in the morning, how much uh, better this must feel doing this before nine. <laughs> you know, it's weird because now my wife, like my wife would go to bed. Um, now she has to hear me and I think that annoys her. Uh, but <laughs> overall, you know, this is the, the new time zone stuff is, is nice. It's going to be, you know, better. I think for the content that we're running up on maps, moneyball.com. Cause I'm looking at it with slightly fresher eyes. Cause I used to do that stuff until like three in the morning. Um, so, so this overall is, is great. I I'm having a lot of, of fun with this. Uh, it's also nice. And, and I think this is a little bit of a preview for the regular season, you know, we have a game and then we have a couple of days and we have a game. There's, you know, there's only 12 back-to-backs. So that's going to be a rare thing compared to last year when we were talking every other, basically four nights a week for, you know, two and a half months. So I'm, I'm, I'm delighted with the time zone change. And I mean, for sure, that's going to help out our guy KP. Um, I've got, uh, I've got a couple just small things uh, that I really, not just from this game, but I've, really noticed from particularly our starters, but I mean, I'd say the entire team as a whole. Um, and, and obviously, you know, it's preseason, so still take everything with a grain of salt. But, and, you know, we'll find out if Jason Kidd is a good coach when, or a good enough coach, I should say, um, when shit hits the fan in the season and in the playoffs. But so far, so good, I would say. But I think a lot of the stuff, I mean, even on this, you know, group therapy that we've complained about, just a lot of the stuff around the margins is a lot better. I mean, from our pace of play, which again, we're not going to be like a top 10 team, but we can get out of like the bottom 10, get a couple. I mean, they're of, about three. They were one of the, we were one of the three slowest teams in the league last year. Exactly. But if we can get a couple of, I mean, we're starting to see, Luca do those like Kevin Love or Nikola Jokic just outlet passes. Like he doesn't want to run down the court, but he just grabs the rebound and chucks it. Um, I mean, just a couple of times a game instead of every possession is starting with 16 seconds uh, on the shot clock. It, it's so, so refreshing. I think the passing, just the general ball movement and player movement off the ball is a lot better. I, I was actually. I didn't like track it or anything, but I noticed like partway through the game, KP, I, I don't know if I saw any possessions where he took more than one dribble, like <sighs> you take a dribble and then he'd get the ball out or he'd shoot it. Yeah. Which, yeah. I, so I didn't count it either. Cause I was not on recap duty and my son was up. So I was watching it a little less closely, but I don't, you know, there's only one instance tonight. Somebody wrote that he fell down twice in the slack. Like, and you know, so you're gonna fall down when you play basketball. Like Dwight Powell falls down every play. Um, but it, it, there were, I didn't really. There's nothing in my mind except for one play where he slipped and fell backwards. Where it was like, ah, okay, he's trying to do a little too much. There was the play at the end of the half. It was a missed shot, but Luca, you know, essentially gunned him. A, a pass the wing. He took a right-handed power dribble from the three-point line and was, like, in the lane and then passed it out to someone for three who then passed it back to Luca and Luke took another shot. It's that sort of stuff. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. It was the – it's just the, the, the lack of 
all stoppage that I I'm enjoying happening right now with the Mavericks because even Brunson who loved to pound the ball last year, like when he's dribbling, he's going somewhere with it. And if, if that's going to be what happens, then the Mavericks are going to be at least pretty entertaining to watch. Um, kind of unrelated side note, but I just, Brunson looks really cool right now. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Like the headband and the hair, like he just like, I was, I was really um, entertained with, with how he is. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, again, we'll see for the rest of the season. I do think Brunson looks better just as a ball handler and running an offense rather than getting his own shot. Um, mm-hmm. My my biggest thing, I guess my biggest takeaway, and again, I'd love to see the actual stats on this um, compared to last season versus this preseason so far, but it feels to me like instead of this, uh, you know, as soon as the shot goes up, everybody abandons and just get back in transition defense and then still give up a transition bucket anyways. Like, we're actually pounding the offensive glass. Like, I saw Powell, Kleba, um, obviously Finney Smith is one of the best in the league, KP. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, it feels like we're actually using our size to our advantage. KP got four offensive rebounds, and, and that – can't be understated. I, I, I was I don't remember the specifics of it last year, but I was doing a lot of looking into games. His stat line overall when he was getting like two or three offensive rebounds was just better. Uh and I know that the kind of dominant philosophy in the NBA now is that you don't like rebounds are kind of an eh, stat, but I've always felt that there are certain players who really that that second touch does something for them. And Porzingis just being enormous. It's like, what you're just wasting part of him if he's not going to be able to crash rebound. So, so I do like that. It's also a hustle stat and, and he's, he's hustling. And and someone in the chat, I think it was Matthew uh, Phillips described him as explosive. And, and that's a good term for it because he just, he hasn't looked explosive in a while. And it was nice to see. Yeah, no, I mean, he, I, I'm, I was already excited for this season um, with all these, you know, just improvements around the margins. I mean, Sterling Brown looks like he'll be a contributor. He looked real nice tonight. Yeah. Um, just, just all the stuff that it feels like the Mavs haven't really given a shit about before. Um, with that improving on top of, you know, KP potentially being healthy and possibly being a good second banana plus Luca looking in shape. Um, yeah. I, I'm very excited to see what we can do this season. So uh, I'll leave it at that, but uh, hopefully we can kick somebody else's ass by 70 points this year. <laughs> Love it. Well, thanks for coming up, Brandon. Thanks for having Okay. Coming up next is Jose. How are we doing, Jose? Good to talk to you tonight. May I do a, a, a little intro for you real quick, Kurt? Sure. If it isn't the Reddit madman, the Rick Carlisle, <laughs> Fan, according to fans, Kirk Henderson. Oh God, <laughs> you know Reddit. Reddit is an odd place. Good, good for good for those people who uh, who seem to be be completely unable to remove um, Mavs Moneyball from a tweet that I send out at twelve o'clock on a Friday night, where it's just like I always get a kick out of that. Like you can call me trash, you can call my takes trash, you might even be right, but like our site kicks ass and I will hear no like nothing to the contrary. Um anyhow, but that was gosh, that was funny. Um my, my favorite part is I know exactly who posted that to Reddit, uh and, and he knows that I know. Friend of the uh we'll just call him a friend of the show who didn't like that take. Um anyhow, so what do you got for us tonight? 
well, uh, you're kind of like a big thing now. Kurt, you've been on Locked On Mavs. You've got mentioned by uh, Mismatch. and Well, our site did, not me, <laughs> because the, our, our site is really great. Like I, that, that article that he wrote, I, I did love that because he was talking about how Mavs fans don't want Kid, And I was like, um, our site didn't want Kid. Mavs fans really like Jason Kidd. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I got a, a quick rundown. I, I do have some heat for you today. Uh, so Ben Simmons, uh, he is in Philadelphia. He was practicing uh, kind of like isolated away from his teammates, kind of just with the like training staff, I guess. But that's what's going on in Philadelphia. If anybody cares or doesn't care. Yeah, it's just NBA news. Uh Kyrie's impact uh, of him being gone, he thought he could be a part-time player. But uh, also people are forgetting that if he was to play against the Knicks in, in the playoffs, he would virtually have to sit out that whole series. So uh, I, I think the the Nets did a good thing and, and standing strong and telling him basically we're not going to have a part-time player. mm. And uh, that could have a big impact for like maybe Jonathan Isaac, even Trey Burke. Like, like so, some of these guys just just got to know like this is a private business, a private company. You sure. know, they they make their own rules despite on what stance you take, whether you like it or not. You know, that's just the rules that are implemented. Right. But uh, did did you see that? Um that Mark Cuban went on. I don't know what the guy's name is. He runs that ringer Spotify exclusive podcast, uh, 10 questions. I think it is. Maybe is it Kyle Brandt? I think that's right. And Cuban went on that. And actually I, I didn't write about it. Cause I don't feel like getting, you know, 50, 50 emails from, from people and, you know, and, and hate messages and all sorts of stuff. But Cuban actually said on the podcast, if you work for me, you're going to be um, vaccinated. And, you know, guess who didn't play a minute tonight in a 68-point blowout, um, Trey Burke. So. Well, I, I seen the quote. I, I didn't actually uh, see the, the pod or anything. But uh, I was going to bring all this back around to, to the Mavericks preseason. I just wanted to start sure. off with that just because we, we whooped some ass tonight. And <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure people are going to be kind of like, redundant and what they say or they might take something away from the game I didn't see but uh so Josh Green caught a body that was one of my biggest things that I kind of hyped up but speaking of Josh Green I wanted to touch on uh you and Josh Bowe's uh stance on your frustrations with the Mavs organization when it came to drafting yeah and like the whole time that every episode that I listen of you guys talking about the the drafting process and everything like that, and what was funny about Amarui and um, Jones and Hunt is like these guys are kind of like Rick Carlisle guys, <laughs> you know they're they're NBA ready and like mm-hmm. with with Green and Terry they're they're like the more raw prospects and i see the reason as to why you guys would always get on here and banter about the mavs uh drafting ability because they they didn't take it as serious you know um yeah 
it's it's there's it's a, tough. Go ahead though. There there's a lot of talent in the NBA. Yes. And if if you're not like exactly NBA ready, it is really hard to get NBA minutes. Especially when when Luca is off the rip telling you that he wants to win a championship. I get Luca is young, but with that mindset, there's only so long that he'll take losing consistently in every season. And I forgot who said it, but uh, somebody said uh, when it comes to Luca and team building, any year that you have Luca and you're not putting him in a position to contend is a failure. And like the G League is perfect for developing players, but the quarrel yeah. with uh, Green and Terry is that there's not a lot of developable minutes, minutes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like uh, on the main roster. So having uh, Amarui and Hunt and all these other guys is just like it, it's frustrating, uh, and that's what I was just tying into. Uh, you guys' perspective. Yeah, I mean, I misstate. When I'm on Twitter sometimes in the middle of the night, I won't really think through, like, the phrasing of what I'm saying. And, you know, a couple of people told me, you know, Josh Green could be really good in three years, which I think is completely accurate. The other thing is that Luka Doncic could be asking for a trade in three years. And of those two things, I care about Luka way more. And so... The the rock like it is not his fault when I'm kicking him. And Josh and I actually just talked about this in the pod tonight, where I think given enough time, he is he can figure out some of what his challenges are. Because right now the speed of the game is a problem for him, and making the right read as a result of that speed is the right is is challenging for him. He gets blocked on nearly ten percent of his shot attempts. I can't explain how that's really bad. Um, is the thing, and and so. Even if he's okay with defense, there's just, you know, it's going to be tough for him to get minutes. Now, I do think, here's the thing, I do think he's going to get minutes. I think that Jason Kidd is going to play him. And I don't necessarily think he's going to play a lot, but I think he's going to get five to seven minutes a game. He's not going to get buried on the bench. Kidd has a history of playing guys. And so if he can string together some positive momentum, and just figure out what his role on this team could be, then maybe he could be a contributor by the end of the year. This was never going to be an instant thing. But I've always just been a little confused, and you guys have heard me talk about it. He hasn't gotten reps. He went to Australia, played zero minutes. I mean, he might have played like three minutes the whole time. Then came back and didn't play Summer League, and the reason behind why he didn't play Summer League was they said that he was tired. And it's like, like, are we talking jet lag? Because he didn't play much. So that sort of stuff just sort of runs together and is a little bit of a challenge. But now we're going to – I really do think we're going to get to see him play. I, I, I mean, he played 14 minutes tonight. Um, I really thought he honestly should have played a little more with how much they were up. But but we'll we'll see where they go w- with this. I mean, that I you know, it wouldn't shock me if on Friday if he plays like 36 minutes because, you know, it's the last preseason game. And, and me bringing all this up was – is no way trying to uh... – bash Josh Green or or Terry is just bringing in perspective of what the Mavs have going on and where they lack and just bringing that all into light just to be completely transparent with everybody listening but uh, sure sure well thank you Jose uh some of the notes that I wrote down is that uh of course 
uh, KP being active on both sides of the ball, running, stealing the ball. Like I, I really love seeing that. That that's just mm. amazing to see. That's that's what I love to see out of him. Real, really, any player I love to see just the the hustle and like the the way that they want to play uh ball. I was talking to an old school uh dude I work with and he he's like 60 years old and he's like, "Man, Jason Kidd going to have these boys playing. You know, he's going to have them run and watch what I tell you." And so far what what he's telling me, I'm seeing what Jason Kidd is implementing. So, uh, they certainly seem to they certainly really seem to be delighted to be playing for someone else. Like that is is un, unmistakable. Um even you know, it's it's nice to see, and I hope they can carry it for a while uh, because it's a long season, and sometimes you got to find windmills to fight, so to speak. Right, and my last point because I, I know I've been up here for a minute now, but uh, like one big takeaway too that I've seen is that Luca was pointing and telling players where to be at defensively, like uh, right after Sterling Ball, uh, Sterling Brown had knocked the ball out in the second quarter with 8-12 left to go. Uh, Luca was literally pointing, just telling people, communicating. I, I love to see that. Luca is officially going, leaning into the leader position. And also, if you didn't notice, Luca hit a trick shot <laughs> that didn't count because it, it, was a, it was a foul on somebody else. And Luca just threw up the ball and it just went straight down and in. It's the kind of stuff that he does is so it's just a riot. It, it, I, my, I one time caught my son out front of the house, like trying to kick the ball into the basket. And I was like, why are you doing that? And he goes, Luca shots. I'm like, no, this is not, <laughs> don't take shots like that. Well, thank you, Jose. I appreciate you coming up as always. Appreciate you for bringing me up. Have a good night. Okay, Mavs Moneyball contributor Matthew Phillips, who wrote the recap tonight, and I invited him up, and all of a sudden he went away. So we'll have to invite him up later. Uh, I see Alex Boyle. How you doing, Alex? Hello. Doing good, Kirk. How are you tonight? Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, except I listened to myself the other oh, day. Oh, no, never listen to yourself. Morning. I sound horrible. Oh, never God. listen to yourself. I don't know how anyone listens to I learned that. Yeah, I, I definitely learned that. But I have to say, my biggest takeaway from tonight's game was just, as you guys were talking about earlier, the ball movement was phenomenal. And something I really noticed about KP, that he took good shots, but also when they passed him in the post, you could see it several times when they passed to him and he took that dribble and didn't go anywhere with it, he passed out of it a lot more than yes. I've seen him lately. He made the decision, okay, they've got me. I'm not going anywhere. Would pass to an open three-point shooter. Even then, you know, pass, pass. Ends up with an open three somewhere because it just collapses the defense in on it. Yeah, the, I mean, the offense was fun tonight. They took 46 threes, which, sound, which is, you know, 16 more than they've been taking. Um, they were, it was, it was really humming and, and that sort of lack of ball stoppage is, it seems like a, an early point of emphasis for the team, because I, I don't remember a lot of plays that felt like some of the garbage trash can stuff we saw last year, where the ball would just end up in the wrong guy's hands and a weird shot was. T- yeah. More to that point. Um, there was one play that I just absolutely just looked completely different than really anything you'd ever seen in a Carlisle offense is that, 
I know it was sometime in the second quarter. I don't remember exactly when, but it was when one of the players was taking a free throw on the other end of the court, Charlotte player, and mm-hmm. nobody crowded it. It was, I think, Jalen Brunson and a big waiting. Jalen Brunson got the rebound, pushed it up, pass. Luka was already set in the post. They already had a setup. It was like five, six seconds into the shot clock. Shot made it. It was they got into that set before you know dribbling the ball up and taking fifteen seconds off the shot clock. Love it. Yeah, that sort of stuff is just the pacing, and I think it's just going to make the game a lot easier to watch. Because as much as I love watching Luca operate, it was just we've been talking about this all day in the Mavs Moneyball Slack. Where I hate, I hate their fourth quarter offense last year. They won, you know, they, they it's like Rick Carlisle was almost running like a three yards in a cloud of dust offense, where he was just so worried about getting out with the win that they'd end up taking bad shots, and the other team would get back in the game. Yeah, that's another reason why, even though it is preseason, it's a sixty-eight point blowout. You really shouldn't take anything from it. But if the offense looks good, the offense looks good. And honestly, I'm just glad the Mavs showed up and played an entire game start to finish trying instead of petering off and losing to a team they shouldn't lose to. Even if it is preseason. Everybody played their asses off throughout the entire game, which you did not see. If you would have told me that last year, if it was a regular season game, hell, if it was a preseason game, that we were going to play the Hornets, play all our starters, and um, Terry Rozier – Gordon Hayward, and who else was out? Kelly Oubre. Tell me, they were all out. First thought in my mind. I don't know about this one. Yeah. No, just like a game they might have laid down and died, and instead the whole team played well. Sorry for that noise in the background, my dog. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, like every Kings game we played last year. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I'm ready to be in the area where – them playing bad teams does not scare me more than them going up against the Lakers. Right. 100% agree with that. Well, that's about all I have tonight. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Appreciate, Appreciate you bringing you. up. See you next time. Okay. Coming up next, let's try Matt again. How's the internet working there, Matt? I am doing good. Hopefully you can hear me this time. I can. I can. Matt wrote the recap tonight for MavsMoneyBall.com, which you should go watch. It's five things we learned from the Mavericks' 127-59 destruction of the Hornets. One thing I did want to talk about, I love watching Moses Brown play. Like, that guy plays so hard. Like, he just – you can tell that he's gone to a big man camp at some point because all of the (laughs) stuff that he does is the absolute basic level – Run from rim to rim, play hard, jump like he, and and it works. I mean, like when you're that huge and you play that hard, like it's it's a positive impact. Yeah, yeah, it's effort is going to be something that you know it's it's something that that Willie Cauley Stein it ebbs and flows with him and. It, you know, Josh talked about this on our pod tonight where he just he doesn't really see it, but he, he sort of said, I, I wonder if, if Brown is going to get any of Willie's minutes. And to date, in preseason, he has made a case for his energy being effective. And I, I do hope that he he gets at least some minutes so we can see more of what's there. You know, he's a bit of a counting stats stuffer guy with the Thunder because they just, you know, they're losing games. He's never going to get minutes like that, but he's a vacuum for the boards. And he plays hard. And, you know, that's the sort of stuff like when when Mike Fisher used to refer to the Tyson Chandler starter kit stuff. Like, 
that's what 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 is implied by that where it's just like a guy who maximizes the things he's best at instead of trying to be something that you want you know something different yeah if you gave him willie collie stein's lateral quickness he would be he would be an all-star like legitimately if you Uh gave him his physical traits um also on kp uh, obviously very excited for his game. He didn't have any blocks today, but overall he was very impactful defensively. One of the things that I thought I saw from him offensively is I thought he played a more two-dimensional game offensively rather than three-dimensional, which is he's extremely athletic in a straight line and jumping. And so I thought yes. for the most part, all of the stuff that he did today was all in a straight line. Like that drive from the three-point line that y'all were talking about when he kicked out to Willie Cauley-Stein and then Willie Cauley-Stein kicked it out to Luca, and then Luca pump faked and then missed. But that was as explosive as we've seen KP be in a while because he got from the three-point line to right at the rim real quick. And I yeah. mean, like it's just the most important thing for him because preseason doesn't matter. We know that from last year. Like it's, I'm super excited right now, but I mean, preseason, the most important thing that I wanted to see in the preseason, and I think most people wanted to see was could KP move? Was there really going to be something to the whole first healthy offseason and forever, yada, 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 he's going to come back and be, and both, he does look more athletic, but he's also doing a better job of using his length, even when he's, when he's not using his athleticism, like he's blocked several shots in this preseason without jumping. Like he's just used his incredible length to be around and he's playing really hard too. That's just, that's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And then the post-ups for everyone, the post-ups for him are fine. If that's what we got to do to keep him happy, that's cool. The Luca post-ups are a lot of fun. We should never, man. we should never run another door. We should like, that should be like the play we start the game with every time. It's just Luca in the post and see what they do. Yeah. And his, his fadeaway in the post is his best shot. It's not his step back three. It's that little, the little one footed dirt fade from the post is his best, is his best shot. But the Dorian Finney Smith post, um, it watching that play, it made me think of an old Kevin McHale quote from t- teaching Kevin Garnett, which is when Kevin McHale was talking about it, he, he uh, Garnett talked to him about trying to learn the up and under. And uh, McHale pretty famously told him, he's like, he's like, well, before you learn the up and under, you need to learn just the up so that people have to respect it for the up and under to work. And sure. you could tell that Dorian had mapped this play out in his head. Like, if because when I played, I played in the post. And uh, sure. not that I'm comparing that level of basketball at all. No, I know but what you mean, though. It's, this, is, this is basketball basics. Like, this is why we all like basketball, because basketball is not that hard to understand. It's just hard to master. Yeah. So some, sometimes when you're in the post, like, you make up your mind that you're going to do this really pretty move. And in his head, like I could see, he stepped towards the middle and he expected a defender to go with it and then was going to come back under and drop step for a dunk, except the defender didn't honor the first move. So he just drop stepped into the guy and there was just nothing there. And it, it was just funny to watch. So we could probably put the Dorian in the, in the post play. Just uh, go ahead and put that in the trash can. Leave it, leave it alone or at least leave it for not like size defenders. But. Overall, everything, I mean, I, I don't see how we could be happier going into this. I mean, we won by 68 points. I, I did not research this myself, but the ESPN broadcast said it was the biggest preseason win ever. So, you know, that's I, – I don't see what else it's we can do. pretty great. I mean, we, everybody yeah, there's looks, nothing. Everybody there's, looks good. there's nothing else. Yeah. I, 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 sometimes, I sometimes, like, try to put, you know, silly names as the names of the room for this. And I was just like, I, I, there's nothing silly to put. They just absolutely embarrassed the team. You know, for, for any Texas fans, Kai Jones 
you know, embarrassed himself in that game. And it's he's just a big men are just so challenging. Yeah, he, got- he, he blocked like the rim blocked his dunk. You can't be doing that when you're down by seventy. Ugh. You also can't so. do that when you're holding. You got anything else fame. for us, Matt? Uh, that's it. The last thing I was going to say on Kai Jones, you also can't do that when your whole claim to fame is that you're an ultra-athletic 6'9 guy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Man. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, and thank you for riding tonight. Thank you. Okay. Coming up next, we're going to bring uh, – I don't recognize this name. Jay, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. What do you got for us? All right. If you'd like to come back up, oh, yeah, hit that unmute button. There you go. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, guys. I, I think one of the biggest things that I've taken away from the preseason is the fact that the Mavs are actually like pushing the tempo a lot more. Um, I think we were rated one of the slowest teams along with the Clippers last year in pushing tempo fast break. Um, I mean, it was just always surprising to me that you have Luka Doncic, one of the best ball handlers, distributors in the league, and you just don't want to push the tempo. Um, but I think that's something that's very interesting to see this year is the fact of how much the Mavs pushed the tempo this year and getting those easy buckets. I mean, we can always say there's maybe about five or six lag buckets in the game where the defense is just lags and rushing and running to get back. There would be the had in the game, and we just missed those last year. I'm just really interested to see them push the ball this year a lot more. Well, me too. I mean, Carlisle – like, live ball turnovers, nothing made him matter. Like, you could just tell whenever Josh Green made a live ball turnover, he was going to get sent into the phantom Absolutely. zone for a week. And and just the, the pushing, you know, and that's when that's when, when turnovers happen is on breaks a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think you got to take that chance, right? You, you need to, to push the ball because the energy that comes from it is is really, you know, it's it, it just it floods through the team. Absolutely. I mean, we were talking about, like, I mean, look at the Mavs games over the last two seasons where we're losing by – we're up late in the fourth and we're losing by four, five, six, those late runs. I mean, when you go back and, and throughout the course of the game and you look at those lag buckets, those, okay, well, that was a push right there. There was another push. There was an easy fast break point right there. Those buckets add up over the course of a game. And, like, I'm just super interested to see how that plays out over the course of the year and how that impacts the overall offensive fluidity. Me too. It's going to be fun. I, I the first, you know, I'm I'm a little worried about that opening night Hawks game because the Hawks are really good. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it's like I think we all need to. And and I say I keep saying this because mainly it's a reminder for me where it's like I'm not going to overreact if if the Hawks come out and just just you know thud them. But it, it, in terms of what you're talking about for the course of the year, the opening part of this. Yeah, you definitely don't want to get into um, a fast break shootout with Trey Young and the rest of those guys. Um, but I think it's something to be interesting to be seen over the year and, and appreciate you guys letting me in the talk. Sure thing, Jay. You have a good night. Hope Thank you join you. us again. Okay. Coming up next, we have Sean. How you doing, Sean? Hit that unmute button there. Yeah, how's it going, Kirk? Good. Thanks for joining us again. Hey, just a couple of questions. I know Luca kind of started off the game kind of slow. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, how Jason Kidd approaches that if, if he runs into that issue again? 
So somebody, Jay Kyle man on uh, Twitter sent me a, sent us a gift. If you're a Simpsons fan, there's the one uh, uh, episode where Nelson plays quarterback and he's like the most dominant player and is just like boredly throwing himself the ball. That was Luca for the first part of tonight. He was lackadaisical and goofy and missing shots and throwing ridiculous passes. The shots of him on the sideline were not great. This is the sort that, you know, if we're going to overreact, this is the sort of thing that, you know, you can say why I am really interested in hoping they bring in Goran Dragic um, and why it was important to get new coaches and new people to, to, to market him because I think that he's just at the stage where when he's bored, it's hard to bring him back. Now, it's preseason. He actually got it going in the second half. He, he, he started to care a little bit. But, you know, him caring and his engagement is the single biggest challenge the Mavericks have this year, I think, because – we all know the stats. They lost to under 500 teams at a at like really ridiculous rate last year for a team that was a playoff team. So that's just something – that's a hurdle they're going to have to get over. Yeah, I think that's something we definitely saw last year with him just not really being interested to kind of these lesser teams, but really turning it on against you know, top four teams out, out in the West or out in the East. Right. I, I, that, that's just going to be part of the season that I think we have to get through. I'm, I'm hopeful that this is why I'm, I'm hopeful they bring in, you know, one more guard at some point through the deadline or not deadline or buyout season. But, you know, right now the team just looks so good. It's kind of hard. Like if we're, we're, you know, they had a kind of boring, you know, four fourteen shooting night from Luca and they won by 68 points. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's pretty insane. Um, my second question, kind of off topic, and we kind of, I kind of asked you this uh, a few months ago, but um, kind of, are you surprised that Terry stops? What's uh, if you get to the? Oh, can you hear me now? There we go. Oh, uh, so my second uh, question was, um, you know, I saw I brought this up kind of a couple months ago with you, and I just want to know, are you surprised that Terry Stotts? doesn't have a coaching job right now in the NBA? It's a good question. I'm so, maybe he just wanted a break. Because, I mean, if you go back to 2011, him and, uh, gosh, who's the other coach? Is he Detroit's coach now? Like, there was a bunch of, like, future head coaches all on one roster. Sometimes these guys just want a break. Um, he'll probably be back in some capacity. Yeah, he took a lot of heat. For, for Portland and I you know that's their their GM's fault more than anything else I think he's a very good coach it is a little bit surprising that he's not that he's not coaching I, I didn't really thought about that I'm actually kind of surprised that Rick Carlisle didn't reach out to him or maybe he did but he's never part of his coaching staff right right no that's it thanks for having me all right have a good night all right, let's move along here. We've got a couple more folks, and then I'm going to go do something else because it's early. Chris, thanks for joining us again. What's going on? Oh, God, I keep doing that where I touch the unmute button on the top. I was you are to not the, the only bottom. one. Okay. You, you are not the only one, so go right, go right ahead. By now. It's like my fifth or sixth time I've been up here. That's um, eh, okay. It's no, a- no. Just like everybody else, I mean, kind of overly excited, but not trying to get too excited, you know. Things are looking good. Um, just hoping this isn't a bait game, you know what I'm saying? Like, we have – we open up against the Hawks, 
And I know Trey's dealing with a, what a quad contusion and Clint Capella is dealing with an injury, but damn, I'm afraid I'm actually an optimistic person, but if we go four and zero in the preseason and that first season of the a regular season, if we lose that one. Oh man. Cause you were <laughs> reading that article, the, the five games that will make you rage. And I was like, right. the first fucking game that came to mind was the Hawks. I'm like, dude, <laughs> please not the first ga- uh, game of the season against the Hawks. God, no, but I, I think we'll be okay. Just from what I'm seeing so far, uh, I'm liking it. KP's playing, playing good. I don't think so. we have anything to worry about on opening night, at least in terms of like energy. Because if you can't get it up for the opening night of the season for something you've been training for, then why are you even playing? I mean, the results might not be what we want, but I don't think it'll be for lack of effort. These guys are playing real hard right now, and I think that Kid will get that for at least the first quarter of the season. He's just that that's got that's it's part of what his his calling card is at the moment is really. Yeah, maybe I'm just kind of worried from the past decade. I feel like we always open up against the Hawks or the Suns, and I just there's just been so many like first game losses. Maybe I'm just thinking of the past, but no, I'm liking this. Our team's long, and we just got so many. You know, Moses Brown. We all, we all already know who's on the team, but I'm, I'm liking this. But I'll question: Who do you think's getting the axe? Like a few of these players. I mean, Tyrell Terry has to be one of them, right? I mean, I think I've seen him in garbage time like a handful of times last season. I mean, what is up with him? Because I'm not really. So, uh, so, so I wrote an article basically excoriating Trey Burke about 10 days ago, and I thought he was an easy cut. I, I, I don't think that he is first on the list. I think it is Tyrell Terry. I don't know what's going on with his personal situation. Yeah, I yeah. have to just be honest about that. But at a certain point, your greatest ability is availability and a second round player who is missing lots of time for one reason or another. And some of the things I've heard just in the rumor mill are not great. It's not, and, and I don't know what to do with that. Cause I don't like making assumptions and you know, the personal health stuff can really your personal reasons and mental health or yada, yada. Like it can get you in trouble if you talk about that stuff the wrong way. So I probably should shut my mouth. But it, it's just it's very difficult that he's being, you know, that he's not here because how can we see him play? I mean, I've seen him play and I'm not impressed, so I don't really know what to do with that information. But it, 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 at a certain point, it's just like you're watching this team roll and you don't even think about it. That's not good for him. No, even during garbage time those last season, I just, I mean, I'm rooting for him. I want him to succeed just for the sake of our team, but it just, I don't see it. So, I mean, I don't know. It just, it just kind of sucks that it pan out. Obviously, I mean, we all have to – I mean, they spent a, a first-round draft pick on Josh Green. They're just going to have to roll with that. I, I, I wouldn't want to see them – they're not, they're not going to cut him, right? I mean, no, not, he'll get another round. year. He'll get another year. Yeah. We'll yeah, definitely give him another chance. Now, obviously, we all know Eugene Amaruri. I mean, did he play tonight? I think he did. I kind of glanced at towards He did. Him. Yeah, he, you know, he did the things that he does in games, which is little impactful things that lead to points. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to him this season. I'm a, kind of like a Draymond Green type player, but other than that, you know, we just got to play against the Bucks on Friday. Hope, just pray to God there's no injuries, and then go from there. You know, I, we're we're all looking forward to the season. I wish there was only like two preseason games. This is like killing me. We're like winning by almost seventy points, and just like let's let's play already. You know, <laughs> right, right. Well, but, thanks for joining, Chris. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. You have a good day. Okay, got a couple more, and then we're gonna get out of dodge. Leo, my man, what's happening? Hello. Is it raining where you It is dumping rain, which is why my dog is being a lunatic 
and chasing me around the house. So I keep like, I'm trying to mute, but he's like barking at me. So, yeah. Well, same. My cats are going wild. Well, back to the maps. Uh, I was kind of thinking, watching the game today, about something Reggie Bullock said. Bullock? Bullock said during, uh, his, during the press day. And he said that whenever they're running defense with the Knicks, that they would always have, uh, Nerlens or another big in the back just ready there and accountable so that he or the other wings would be able to play more aggressively on the opposing guards and point guards. I kind of scoffed at that whenever he said it, considering how we have KP and GP starting, but I, that doesn't seem that wild that you're seeing the game today. I'm not sure what you're... Well, I mean, defense is such a confidence thing where, you know, you can have all the schemes in the world, but if you don't have the players to push it through, your scheme doesn't matter. And, you know, I've been arguing with Mavs fans about this for a while. Like, Porzingis was signed to be the defensive guy. All sorts of offense stuff is a bonus. I mean, I think he thought he was coming here to be, you know, the star, and that is what it is at this point. But you can just see the difference in the way the team defense looks with him being a little more active and bouncy on the back line. I mean, it it it, it does go both ways where you need to have sort of uh, guys in tandem. And, like, last year, you know, watching Dorian Finney-Smith get beat off a single dribble and that sort of stuff would drive me nuts because it happened to Josh Richardson, too. But teams would relentlessly attack the rim on the Mavericks because they were not afraid. I mean, Dwight Powell got scored on at 80% at the rim, um, I think was the last one I looked at. And, and you know, tr- in years past, uh, 1920 and then 2020, let's see here. Yeah, 1920, uh, Porzingis was at about 50%. And then last year, he was closer to 60. Like, that's a huge step in the wrong direction. And the Mavericks went from being kind of middle of the pack to being – um, I want to say they were like 22nd in the league and all they really need to be, you know, at least for where, where I'm hoping they go, which is getting out of the first round, they need to be average. If they can be average, everything else works from there. And, and, you know, if, if those guys have kind of faith in one another, because you really got to trust one another and you got to trust your body, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with team defense. And if, if those things work out, then I think these guys are going to be at least a okay defensive team from what I'm, you know, seriously overreacting to through three games. And then one more thing, I like. Uh, I know everyone's been talking a lot about Josh Green, how Jay, uh, now kids gonna play him. I would. I'm not really sure how viable this would be since he's only six six. But considering how he could be like the only non shooter if we play him at the four, and how he does hustle pretty hard on defense, do you think there's any merit to that, or is this? Oh yeah. Kind of- oh yeah. No, you're not the first person to suggest this. I I am in a couple of chats with people who think this might be a good idea. If KP's in the game two, maybe. I mean, you have to have another big guy in there. You can't have a bunch of six six guys. The Maver- like, it's not like it's a bunch of six 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 defensive guys. So, but I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. Like, like, what's what's the harm? I mean, in these early games, I think the Mavericks just need to get weird and try stuff. And kind of like a final thing, I'm kind of not sure how crazy this would be, but do you? Then this is very crazy. Do you think Rick Carlisle would be open to taking Dwight Powell back? I, I love I love Dwight Powell. I don't want him to leave, but I was hearing I can't remember. I think it was Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe talking about how normally Rick Carlisle has uh, a role man, and that doesn't seem they were talking about like how Miles Turner really isn't that neither is Sabonis. I'm not sure if Rick Carlisle would be even open to. It's a good question. I I sort of in my head have ruled off the Pacers from any sort of trade opportunity, but. 
you're absolutely right that when Rick finds a guy he loves, he loves that guy forever. Now, I think the challenge is, at least in terms of Dwight Powell, is the Mavericks also love Dwight Powell. Um, it, 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 like Mark Cuban loves Dwight Powell. But, you know, you, you never know what happens over the course of the season. I mean, Powell makes – he's one of those mid-sized contracts that, that if you know, he has one more year after this one to where I think if he looks like how he is, I mean, I want to – his shooting in the preseason is absurd. He's just like last year in the preseason, Josh Bo pointed this out. He shot 35% from the field in the preseason. I'm pretty sure he's shooting in the eighties right now. Cause he's only like getting like dunks. So it's, it, you know, when, when, when Powell looks good, he looks great. When Powell looks bad, he looks terrible. So it's, it's, it's tough to say. All right. Well, thank you for having me up. I uh, hope you have a good night, Mr. Uh, Mr. Kirk. And I hope your dog. Thanks, buddy. You have a good night. All right. Last but not least, we have Aaron, who's been waiting for a while. No, that's okay. Hey, hey, hey. Sorry. Kirk. (laughs) Man, the unmute got me again. I kept hitting the wrong spot on it to unmute it. This app changes formats all the time. So what do we got tonight? Yeah, but... uh. You know, I was, uh, I wanted to get on because I was going to rave about how optimistic I am, mainly because of KP. But you threw me for a loop there with the guy, the guy that was on like, uh, two guys ago that, uh, you, uh, did I hear you wrong? Or you said, uh, you think Tyrell Terry's the odd man out over Burke, even after I, I, what Cuban said today? I mean, I, it's it to me. It's even odds. I, I still kind of think it's Burke, but if it's Terry, I don't know if I would be surprised. Whatever is going on, it's just he hasn't been around for long stretches, and you have to be around to matter. And I mean, they have sixteen guys, so it's like one of them literally does have to go, and I'm not sure who it's going to be. I mean, I could be, I could be very off base on this one. It's just. It's something about the way that we know nothing and we knew nothing last year either. And that doesn't happen. You know, you know, if it's something like family drama or whatnot, usually these guys will do a story after the fact talking about how they, you know, the Brad town center, someone will get an exclusive, you know, explaining where they were. Like we still don't know where Tyrell Terry was. We don't know where Terry is now. And, you know, the, the, everyone gets very persnickety when you ask these questions like, oh, these guys have the right to privacy. They absolutely do. But when we're sitting here talking about like, hey, we have to move one guy, what, if the guy's already not here, it makes it kind of an easy thing. Now, I, I still do think it's Burke because, because they're over the cap. Like, dead money is dead money is dead money. And, and it's, you know, it was the worst contract Donnie Nelson sent out in, in the previous offseason. Like, he has a player option for next year. Like it's preposterous. Like I, so I still do kind of think it's Burke, but I'll just say that Terry wouldn't surprise me. Okay. Well, yeah. Thanks for that clarification because I thought you were saying you had heard some stuff that you thought it was definitely Terry. No, no, I didn't mean. It. If I did, I apologize. Okay. Well, yeah. So back to my optimism. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm kind of with you. I'm like with you half the time on your takes because you're one of the most pessimistic Maz voices on Twitter. I feel good right now, though. It's just, it's a weird no, not right I don't, now, I don't know either. what to do. <laughs> well, like, I'm talking even in years past, half the time I'm with you, half the time I'm like, fuck you, Kirk. So, <laughs> yeah. But anyways, you know, the, my main pessimism is lately is just how the offseasons have gone. But the fact that, you know, it's KP or bust pretty much for the Mavs. 
Like they got that deal. They made that trade. They spent their assets. Uh, they can probably get out of it after next year if they want to flip him. But, you know, the best forward, you know, the best way forward is him to be great or really, really good. And he looks incredible the way he's moving right now, man. I, I am just really impressed because lateral movement is just not the sort of thing that guys get back really easily. Sorry, my dog is drinking water for the third time during this podcast. <laughs> um, and and it's, you know, I talked to a physical therapist in the offseason um, who, who also writes for one of the Lakers websites. And he was talking about, you know, he's like, you need to have some patience with the guy because he came back from an ACL tear and he looked really good after that ACL tear. But then he tore his meniscus in the opposite leg. So at some point, he's, ha- and he's going to have some real mental um, hurdles to get over. Not as, you know, it, the physical as well, but like the mental hurdles. Because the guy's body is, it's, it's, it's failing is a little bit of a strong word, but it's, you know, he, he's not able to do the things he wants to do consistently for a long period of time. So, and, you know, if we look back at what happened to him last year, he, he came back nine games into the season. You know, he was saying around Christmas when the, when the season started, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be ready. Well, the Mavs had to, like, basically hold him out. And then because he wanted to play, but he just wasn't physically ready. He came back because the Mavs needed him. I don't even know if he would have came back in game nine if the Mavericks hadn't evolved. Because, I mean, like five guys came down with COVID or were COVID restricted, if you remember, after that Denver-Chicago series. And he just never really looked right. So I'm really it's, – it's pleasant to see him doing this because, I don't know, he, he's, he's throwing a lot of shade at Rick, which is, is – if that's what fuels him, fine. But, you know, Rick didn't keep him with his heels on the ground all the time last year. Like, he's bouncing around on his toes. His hands are – it's, it's really fun to watch because this is the sort of stuff why people called him, you know, the, the unicorn. Yeah, no, I agree. And like, I definitely wasn't Rick holding him back except for the playoff thing, which I, we all disagree with probably, but you know, we see what, you know, we know the, the switch with Luca and Kawhi and PG. It made sense. But, uh, yeah, man, go Mavs. I'm optimistic as hell. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Aaron, for joining us and for everyone else who came up tonight. Um, scheduling stuff. This will go up on podcast feeds tomorrow afternoon. Those of you who sit here the whole time, you don't need to listen to it, but I would appreciate it if you downloaded. Tell your friends to get this app. We have a lot of fun talking on here. I know a lot of people are still sort of stage uh, shy about it, but if you, you know, I really do want to hear something. If you have something to say, come up on stage. We'll talk about it. Uh, I will host a daytime green room Friday afternoon, assuming work permits it. And then, you know, Josh and I will probably talk after the Friday game, do another one of these. I'm going to also hope to get a couple of different guests on. Uh, it's a little hard to do guest stuff in the season because everybody's, like, working, you know, and, and, you know, they're usually doing things for you at the expense of, you know, their only free time. So it's a little harder to get. But, uh, all right, I thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. I hope you had fun, and we will talk to you in a couple of days. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, 
just go to cars.com. It's magical.